This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ, amen. The Gospel of John records three stories of Jesus' resurrection appearances, of the risen Christ. The first resurrection appearance was read last Sunday on Easter morning as we read the story of Mary Magdalene going to the garden tomb, not recognizing Jesus, thinking him to be the gardener. This morning, we read the second and the third resurrection appearances. We always read these two stories on the second Sunday of Easter. The story of Jesus appearing to his disciples, minus Thomas, on that first Easter Eve, and then one week later appearing to them when Thomas is present. Now the official name for this Sunday is the second Sunday of Easter, but it has many nicknames. It is sometimes referred to as the octave of Easter, being the eighth day of Easter. Sometimes it is referred to as low Sunday. I bet you didn't have any trouble finding a parking place or a seat today, did you? (laughs) 
Probably the most familiar nickname for this Sunday is Doubting Thomas Sunday. Because we read these stories every year, they have become rather familiar to those of us who worship regularly on the Sundays following Easter Day. These stories have become so regular and routine for many of us that they may lose their impact. When I read these stories that are so familiar, I sometimes ask myself, what is not here? What is not here? You may be scratching your head and saying, what in the world is he talking about? Well, my question is this. Why does this story say what it does rather than something else? For example, with this particular text, I ask myself, why did Jesus appear to whom he did? Why did he appear to whom he did? Why not appear to others? For example, when Jesus rose from the dead, why didn't he go immediately to Pontius Pilate? Why not to King Herod? Why not to the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin? They were the ones, after all, most responsible for his crucifixion. Why not return to those soldiers who mocked him and beat him and drove those spikes into his nails and his feet? It can be very intriguing to ask such questions because, for one thing, it can help us bring new insight to those old familiar texts and help us to look at them in new ways. As another example, during the Epiphany season, in our lectionary, we oftentimes read stories of Jesus calling his 12 disciples. And so I ask myself, self, why is he calling these 12? Why not somebody else? These 12 didn't have any special credentials. Why them? Or in another case, throughout our Gospels, Jesus addresses the subject of divorce and remarriage and adultery with his disciples pretty thoroughly in at least three Gospels. And yet not once in our four Gospels does Jesus address homosexuality or same-sex marriage. It's sometimes interesting to ask why something isn't in Scripture. And so in this case this morning I ask, why did Jesus appear to whom he did? Why not others? I mean, if you know that Middle Eastern mentality, you know an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If somebody does you wrong, by golly, you get even. I cannot definitively answer the question other than to say that what happens in this story, I think, may indeed provide us an answer in and of itself. First in the story, we are told that the disciples are in a room afraid locked away in a room. Afraid of what? Well, the writer of the Gospel of John says, for fear of the Jews. Fear of being discovered. Fear of being arrested. Fear of being accused of stealing the body of Jesus from the grave. Fear that the same thing would happen to them as happened to Jesus when he was arrested. But, there again, maybe they were afraid of Jesus. They were the ones, after all, who had deserted him, left him, 
denied him. One of them even betrayed him. The women had gone to the tomb that morning. They had met an angel who told them that Jesus had been raised. But the disciples, they hadn't seen him. They hadn't met up with him yet. Maybe they were afraid of an encounter with Jesus because of what they had done to him. Maybe they were afraid by mockery from their own families and friends. They, after all, had spent the last three years following this man, giving up their lives for him, and here he was, dead, crucified as a criminal. How do you go back and face your families after that? Maybe they were afraid of their own futures. What in the world happens to us now? Our leader is gone. What are we supposed to do? So I'm guessing they were afraid of any number of things and not just the Jews. And their fear crippled them. They had stopped following momentarily their leader. They were immobilized by their fear. And then Jesus appears. And what does he do? He calms their fears. He brings to them peace. And how does he do this? By forgiving them. He doesn't come with retribution. He comes with forgiveness. You see, for three years... Jesus had been telling them about a different way, not an eye for an eye, not a tooth for a tooth, not get even with those who did you wrong. Instead, he had preached a message of grace and love and healing and wholeness and forgiveness. And he appeared to them, those 11, because that is most what his followers needed. They needed grace. They needed forgiveness. They needed wellness and healing. And Jesus came to them in their need, in their fear, when they were crippled and immobilized and not living as the people God intended them to be. And he brought them a measure of peace by forgiving them. Allow me to digress for a few minutes. I grew up in a family of four boys. I was third in the birth order. I have two older brothers, Stephen, who is five years older than me, and John, who is three and a half years older than me. They're both sitting here this morning, by the way. I think they wanted to come defend themselves when they found out I was using them as an example. My brother John and I, three and a half years apart, as we were growing up, especially in elementary school, we had a rather love-hate relationship. To put it quite simply, he was always picking on me. As late as two days ago when we attended a funeral together, we were laughing. He said, you're so round-shouldered. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, because you were always covering yourself and protecting yourself. It's true. I remember one day I just had enough of it. He pummeled me one too many times. And I tattled to my mom. Now, you know, one of the things you do as a sibling is you don't tattle. You don't rat on your siblings. But I tattled on him. I got him in trouble. And my mom sent him to his room. And I'm just dancing a jig. Yippee, 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 yippee. I thought I have the whole afternoon and I don't have to be bothered by my brother John. 
Well, about halfway through the afternoon, I started looking around thinking, is he out yet? Because he wasn't going to spend the rest of his life in that room. He was going to get out at some point, and at some point, it was going to be an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He was going to get even, because that was the way I thought he operated. And so I started living in fear. And like I said, I just kept looking around thinking, is he out yet? What's going to happen when he gets out? Yeah, he eventually got out. He came looking for me, had a football in his hand, and said, let's go play football. That wasn't what I was expecting. That forgiveness, it changed our whole relationship. We went to living the way we were supposed to live, and I stopped living in fear, wondering when he was going to get even with me. I think Jesus appeared to those whom he did because they were in need of looking for what only he could give them. Grace, forgiveness, love, mercy, and a sense of peace. But the story doesn't end with Jesus giving them peace. It continues with Jesus commissioning them to continue his mission. Jesus blesses them with his spirit, and he tells them, just as the Father has sent me, so now I am sending you. When you forgive, people are forgiven. And when you fail to give, forgive, there's no forgiveness. It's as simple as that. Forgiveness is in your hands. And you know what my forgiveness has done for you this day. Now go and bring God's forgiveness to others. You are to be my presence. You are to continue my mission. Jesus appeared to those whom he did not just to bring forgiveness and peace. He appeared to them because he had a job for them. He returned not only to heal them and to calm their fears, but to commission them and send them forth. And Jesus comes to us too. Every Sunday, he comes to us through word and sacrament. They are his primary ways, but my friends, they certainly are not the only ways that he comes to us. Our risen Lord may appear to us in the form of another person who we don't immediately recognize as Christ in our midst, but he comes nonetheless, bringing us hope and comfort. He may come to us through this community of faith, through the words and the, the mission that we proclaim and through our outreach. He may come to us through the prayers of another that we don't even know have been uttered in our behalf. Christ comes to those who fear, who are immobilized by their fear, who are not doing what they were created to do, and he sets them free, gives to them a new life. And he comes to us because he has a job for us to do. Our new life is given to us for a purpose, my friends, and that is to bring God's love and grace and forgiveness to others. So why did Jesus appear to whom he did? Because they needed what he had to offer. And because Jesus could trust them to carry on his mission. Sometimes it is us who needs a vision of the presence of the risen Christ. And it is to us that Christ comes. And sometimes the risen Christ comes through us as he appears to others also in need of him. We who need forgiveness have been forgiven. 
We are forgiven day in and day out, week in and week out. We celebrate that forgiveness every day we gather here at this table. And you and I are to bring that same forgiveness and the peace that it fosters to others, all those that we are able to. Amen.